Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of 1 Kings. The Old Testament passage of 1 Kings and chapter number 16. 1 Kings and chapter number 16. We're beginning a brand new series tonight on the life and ministry of Elijah and Elisha. These two prophets of God were used in fantastic ways. In fact, if there's an exciting portion of scripture that you're ever going to look forward to, you could look to the life and ministry of Elisha and Elisha. They are full of an excitement, of political intrigue, of danger, of miracles. All kinds of things occur within this series, within this passage that we're going to be studying in the upcoming days. But before we could talk about the miracles, before we could speak about the revivals, before we could see the people come to know Christ and the faith of people, we have to start before all of that and see the context of that day. The dark and dreariness. What is the setting like? Oftentimes people have an idea that the miracles and revival happens only when everything's going good, when the skies are blue, no clouds in the sky, everyone's singing and skipping. But that's not when revival comes. Revival is most needed when it seems like there's no hope in sight. And so if you don't mind, let's go even before the prophet Elisha is introduced. Let's look in 1 Kings in chapter 16 and let's see and survey the area and the time and the things that are going around before God brings up his man. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in the book of 1 Kings chapter 16. And we're going to start in verse number 29. 1 Kings chapter 16 Starting at verse number 29, the word of God says this. And in the thirty and eighth year of Asa, king of Judah, began Ahab, the son of Omri, to reign over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria twenty and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ithbal, the king of the Zidonians, and went and worshipped Baal, and served Baal and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. In his days did he, the Bethlehite, or Bethelite, build Jericho. He laid the foundation thereof, and Abiram his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof in his youngest son, Segrub, 
according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Joshua, the son of Nun. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that is descriptive of Ahab's reign in the book of 1 Kings chapter 16? 1 Kings chapter 16, and notice with me verse 33, the phrase, Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger. Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger. And with the Lord's help, I'd like just to shorten that with the same idea. Provoking the Lord God. Provoking the Lord God. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. A God who is true. A God who is real. And a God who wants to work. Lord, as we compare the life and the age, the, the scenario of Elisha and Elisha, we can look down at our own world. We can look down at our own country. And we can look at the same darkness and the same spirit and the same things. But yet, in the midst of all this darkness, we can be people of hope. Because we know that's when you want to work. That's when you want to prove yourself. And we're asking as we study this that we could see the comparisons. But we could also see that this is the time that you work and be a hopeful people. For, fill me with your precious spirit now. Please do a work. Open up this passage in a special way. That we could have a better vision. A better understanding of what is being said here. And get the good feel of how things were in Ahab's day. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as we start off, we understand that we're talking about the king time of Israel's history. We know that the first king to rule Israel was King Saul, who was a man after the people's own heart. After him came King David, who was a man after God's own heart. After King David came Solomon. Solomon reigned for 40 years. And then Solomon had a son by the name of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, unfortunately, took unwise counsel. And because of that, the kingdom was divided between Rehoboam in the south, who became the first king of Judah, the southern kingdom, and Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, who we'll speak about in just a moment, became the first king of Israel in the north. As we put our attention on the northern kingdom of Israel, the northern kingdom of Israel had 18 kings. Every single one of them were wicked and evil. And as we come up to see king after king, dynasty after dynasty come and go, we now come to the middle of the uh, <laughs> lifespan of the northern kingdom of Israel. And we come to probably what the Bible says, the most wicked one of all up to this point. Wicked King Ahab. And it's under his reign and under the corruption that he brought that we're going to see the beginning, the setting that comes the prophet Elijah. So if you don't mind, as we come up to this, we want to see this, this idea here that Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God to anger. Think about that statement. The word provoke carries a word picture of taking a stick and put it, poking it inside of a cage of a lion. Could you imagine being outside of a lion cage? And some uh, smug teenage kid who thinks he's invisible takes a stick and pokes. 
pokes, pokes, pokes. Do you think that lion's going to stand there and be pleased? What's going to happen if you keep poke, poke? It's almost like the little sister to the big sister. Poke, 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 poke. How long do you think that's going to last before something happens? Poke, poke. That's the idea of provoking. Is that you're poking and poking and poking. And what's happened is the one being poked is getting angrier and angrier and angrier. Could you imagine such a statement recorded here? That Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel that before him. Now when you're provoking something, you have an idea that they exist. You have the idea here that it's not he accidentally made God mad. The word provoke carries the idea of purposeful intent. Poke, poke, poke. Ahab purposefully and intentionally made God angry. That is how wicked of a king he did. And that not only did he provoke God, he did more to provoke God than any other king that came before him. That is an evil king. And so if you don't mind, let's examine this. And the very first thing I'd like to show you here is that Ahab defied the Lord with his wicked ways. Ahab defied the Lord with his wicked ways. Notice if you don't mind in verse number 29. The Bible says, starting at verse number 29, and in the 30 and 8th year of Asa king of Judah began Ahab the son of Omri to reign over Israel. And Ahab the son of Omri reigned over Israel and Samaria twenty and two years. So we, now we're getting just the statistics of it. When he came to power and how long he reigned. He reigned for twenty-two years. Could you imagine someone in leadership for twenty-two years poking God? Could you imagine what impact that would have on a nation for the leader to be provoking God, provoking God for 22 years? Notice as it goes on, as it now gets specific in verse number 30. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. <laughs> so it's going to start off with this idea of worship. <laughs> Uh, notice with me in verse, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> in number 26, it's talking about Ahab's daddy, uh, Amri, in verse number 26. For he, Amri, walked in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, in his sin, where he made Israel to sin, to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger with her vanities. So we can already see that he's following suit from his daddy, but I want you to pay attention to what sin he committed. It said that he followed the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth. Once again, in verse number 31, it's going to talk about the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth. Now, you say, I'm not familiar with Bible history. What in the world sin is this? Well, remember when I said before that Solomon had a son by the name of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, because of his unwise choices, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two. The northern kingdom of Israel, or Samaria, and the southern kingdom of Judah. Now, in the northern kingdom of Israel, uh, Jeroboam was the first king. 
And he realized that there were some things that he had to fix. First of all was the Jewish tradition. The Jewish law. Which said that every Hebrew person was supposed to go to Jerusalem for the different feasts. Especially once a year. Now Jeroboam is the northern kingdom. Southern kingdom's capital is, is Jerusalem. And you can't have all of his people going to Jerusalem. And learning about God. And saying you know what? Maybe king you shouldn't be doing this. So he realized that he had to do some other things. So what he did is he changed a couple things. First of all, he said, you no longer have to go to the house that God told you to. You could worship God in other places. And so he set up Bethel as one of those places where he says, you don't have to go to Jerusalem. Why don't you just go to Bethel? It'll be just as good the problem is, is that's not what God said. And you know, there's many people today. Well, I don't have to go to church to be right with God. Not if you believe what the Bible says. Well, I don't have to go to church. But that's the type of Christianity we live in today. That people deny the Bible. The Bible clearly says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible commands us that if you believe God, in fact, the Bible finishes off that verse and even more so as you see that day approaching. What day? The day of Jesus Christ coming back. You should be in church more if you believe what the Bible says. But what happened is that Jeroboam said, you know, we don't have to obey the Bible and we don't have to assemble where God says we could assemble. We could do something else and we'll be fine. And so he changed that. Second of all, he changed their holiday schedule around, which is a minor thing, but he wanted them not to obey the things the Bible says. He developed his own thing. The third thing he did is that he got rid of the qualified men of God and he placed people who were not qualified. People that God did not want to be in the place to be teaching the word of God. And so what happened, what is the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth? How can we summarize it? They had a religion that God did not ordain, did not organize. What they did is they said, God will accept our worship however we want to worship him. And God will be happy with it. And God is not happy with it. You understand, God has specifically said, this is how I want you to worship me. The Bible talks about in John chapter 4, Jesus is talking to the woman of the well of Samaria. And he says that God is a spirit. They that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. Those are two qualifications. You say, what does it mean to be in the spirit? That means only saved, born again people Redeemed people can worship God. Lost people can not worship God. Now that's an important thing because today we have something called contemporary Christian music. And the purpose of contemporary Christian music, according to the people who write and sing contemporary Christian music, is to bring lost people in so they can worship God. But lost people cannot worship God. They cannot. So therefore, that whole thing is valid. 
invalid, you cannot worship God. They that worship God must worship Him in spirit. Only saved people can worship God. Second of all, in truth. That means according to the way that God said it. There is many things done in the name of worship today that God does not accept. You say, I don't believe that at all. Well, you might remember a story of two men who gave their best to God. Both of them wanted to worship God. And they gave their best to God. But God accepted one and rejected the other. And the other one got so mad. And God said, why are you so upset? You can get this fixed. But he did want to get it right because he wanted to worship God the way that he wanted. And you have the story of Cain and Abel. Both of them did their best to worship God. But one of them did it according to the way that God wanted to do it. The other one did it the way that he thought he could do it. And God did not accept one of their worship. God does not accept everything that is done in worship. And yet, here is an environment set by Jeroboam, the son of Naboth, that caused all Israel to sin. That's what the Bible said. That they have a religion and have something that God did not ordain. They're worshiping God. Basically, they're doing whatever they want and then just saying God's name on top of it. And God does not like it. It says it provoked him to anger. Every time it occurred, it aggravated. It provoked God. And today, that's what we have today. Is that many people doing things in the name of Christ that God does not say. Many things done in the name of worship that is not acceptable to God. And yet everyone thinks that God should be fine with it. And they're satisfied with that type of worship. Yet over and over, as you read the New Test or the Old Testament, you'll see over and over the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Naboth. You'll see it over and over and over. What is this sin? It is the sin of worshiping God, not the way that he commanded it to. And it provokes God to anger. It provokes God to anger. So we start off with this idea of, of <coughs> Ahab. And notice in verse 30 again. And Ahab the son of Omri did evil in the sight of God, the Lord above all that were before him. So here is Ahab who provokes God. So we have Jeroboam who provoked God by setting up a false worship. We have Ahab's daddy who provoked God by promoting this false worship. And Ahab said, oh yeah, I'm going to top that. I'm going to do even worse. And he watered down this religion. And so many things were done in God's name that God was not pleased with. And so we start off that Ahab defied the Lord with his wicked ways. We see something else as we go on. That Ahab denied the Lord with his wicked marriage. Ahab denied the Lord with his wicked marriage. Notice with me in verse 31. And it came to pass. Now notice this phrase. As if it had been a light thing. As if it was no big deal. As if it was a small thing. For him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam the son of Naboth. Now we just said this is a very big deal. But Ahab said, ah, if it was 
as if it was nothing to provoke God in that manner. Guess what he did? He took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. So what Ahab did is that before he got married, he gave lip service to God. And so they did whatever they want. They had their own religion, but they would at least give lip service to God. They would at least say in Jesus' name. They would at least say, you know, we love God and God we trust. They would at least give lip service. Now, that provoked God to anger. But Ahab just finally said, you know what, guys? We're not worshiping God. Let's stop pretending we're serving Baal. And because all of Israel had already been giving God lip service, it was no big deal for them to go, okay, we're now serving Baal. No big deal. Because it already got to the place where their religion was so watered down. Their worship of God was so pathetically weak. It wasn't directed towards God. It was directed towards them. They would just have God's name to stamp their approval on it. Now they're like, we don't even need God's approval. We do whatever we want. Can you imagine such a society? Well, you don't have to imagine much. In Nashville, Tennessee, they have now what is called the Atheist Church. And in the atheist church, they say, we love the gathering together and we love the inspirational songs and we love the encouraging messages. We just don't want to have anything to do with God. And so guess what? Their church services look just like every other contemporary Christian service because most of the contemporary Christian songs don't even have Jesus' name in it in the first place. It's all about how I feel and how I'm looking forward to heaven and how I'm looking, but it has nothing about Jesus. And so many messages done by those preachers today don't mention Jesus at all. It's about how to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and how to have a good day and how to keep your smile and how to be a brand new you. And so it was no big deal for the atheists to say, hey, we're going to have the same church service. We're just not going to say God. It's just the same as yours. Because of the watered-down religion. It was nothing for them just to say, we're just taking God off the door and we're still having the same thing going on. As if it had been a light thing. So he marries Jezebel. Now Jezebel hates God. And you'll see that all throughout the pages of Scripture. She hates God. And she's not even a Hebrew person. She grows up in a land called Phoenicia. Which is of Tyre and Sidon. Which are very big traveling cities. The Phoenicians became the colonists all throughout the Mediterranean seas. You may have heard of the ancient city of Carthage. That was started by the Phoenicians. Well Jezebel's daddy was a priest of Baal. Baal was the thunder god. And so when she married Ahab she goes Ahab we're not going to talk about God no more. We're serving Baal. And he said yes ma'am. And everyone followed suit. And so he began just to announce to everyone that we're going to serve Baal. We're, we're declaring God to be dead and we're going to serve these other gods. And so you could already see a second step. That it started off with that Ahab defied God with his evil ways. And then Ahab def denied God with his wicked marriage. But it goes on. That Ahab displeased the Lord with his wicked worship. He displeased the Lord. With his wicked worship. Notice with me if you don't mind in verse number 32. 
And he, this is Ahab, reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. Samaria is the northern capital of Israel. And he built inside of the capital city a temple dedicated to Baal. And then he started worshiping Baal and putting sacrifices and just announced, hey, we're not serving God no more. Baal's the only one we recognize. Verse number 33 And Ahab made a grove. Now, this is an important thing. A grove in the ancient world isn't just an idea of trees. It does include trees. But a grove was something that was dedicated to Baal's wife, who was known in the ancient world as Ashtaroth, or maybe Ishtar, which we get our word Easter. And both Ashtar and uh, Ashtaroth, both of those are the same goddesses, different names, were the fertility goddesses. And what would happen is in a grove is that they would worship nature by (coughs) doing immoral activities. And I'll leave it there. But it was a very wicked and vile thing as they worshipped nature and they worshipped the fertility goddess inside of the groves and promoted everyone to do it. And what did God say about this? Verse 33, And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel before him. So beforehand, everyone at least give lip service to God. God wasn't pleased with it, but at least they used in God we trust. But then he swept that aside and said, No, we're serving Baal. And not only are we going to serve Baal, we're going to promote immorality in the name of worship. And everyone follows this immorality path. And it did more to provoke God to to anger. Why? Because the Hebrew people were God's people. They were supposed to be following after God. But instead, they're all doing their own thing and they're no longer following God. And Ahab displeased the Lord with his wicked worship. Which brings us to one other thing in here. And something that almost seems it doesn't belong But it actually is a follow through. Verse number 34 we see this. That Ahab disobeyed the Lord with his wicked servants. That Ahab disobeyed the Lord with his wicked servants. Notice with me in verse number 34. In his days, so in Ahab's days. So what we're seeing here is that Ahab has set such a culture and such a... uh, uh, a background for people to disobey God, that now the whole entire country and the people in it are purposely going against God's word. Let me show it to you. Verse 34. And in those days did Hiel, the Bethelite, build Jericho. You say, well, that's not a big deal. They're having a building project. It is, except if you would hold your finger here and look with me to the book of Joshua. Remember that Joshua was the commander of the Hebrew forces who led the children of Israel over the Jordan River into the promised land. And the very first city they ran into was the city of Jericho. Notice what God used Joshua to predict and tell and prophesy in the book of Joshua chapter 6. The book of Joshua chapter 6, which by the way is approximately, let me throw something off the top of my head, about 700 years before this incident in Ahab's time. So this is what God uses Joshua to predict, to prophesy. Joshua 6 verse 26. 
And Joshua adjured them at the time saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. Now that phrase before the Lord carries the idea that it's in his sight. Meaning that I don't care what you say. I'm going to do it anyways. And he said cursed be the man before the Lord that raiseth up and build this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn and in his youngest shall he set the gates on it. So this is what Joshua predicted. He said, hey, the person who decides that they're going to disobey God and they're going to try to rebuild their city, the foundation is going to be laid on their firstborn and the gates of the city will be on their lastborn. So go back with me to where we were at in the book of 1 Kings chapter 16. Notice with me verse 34. And in the days Hiel, the Bethelite, built Jericho. So we already know he's disobeying God. God said, don't rebuild the city. But he's doing it anyways. But notice this. He laid the foundation thereof on Abiram, his firstborn, and set up the gates thereof on his second son, Segram, according to the word of the Lord. So here's this guy that's working in Ahab's administration. He says, I'm going to go build Jericho. And nobody said, hey, the Bible says don't do that. He says, I don't care what the Bible says. I want to do whatever I want. Nothing's going to happen. And so he begins to lay the foundation. Now, we don't know for sure what happened. All we know is the child died. Some people believe that the child died of natural causes or God while the guy's building the foundation. Others believe that this guy is so wicked that he actually sacrificed his firstborn on the foundation to just to stick it to God just a little bit more. And then as they build the foundation of the city and then they build the walls. That when they finally put the last thing which is the gates of the city, the doors. His last son dies. Again, we don't know how. Some people believe it could have been just natural causes. Firstborn died. He, sac you know, he lost his firstborn because of this. And now he lost his secondborn. Again, others believe that he actually sacrificed his son. Just to say, I don't care what you say. God, I, this is going to be done. Whatever it is, what we have is someone who purposely disobeyed God. And he paid with it with, it, with his own family. And it set up an environment that not only is Ahab wicked, but it is spread that the entire culture says, I don't care what the Bible says, we're going to do what we want. Even to the neglect and to the cost of their own family. Can you think of any other clear description of the country we live in right now? Of people who say, yeah, in God we trust, but they don't follow God. The weak worship. And we get to the place where people just overthrow it anyways and say, we don't even worship God. We do whatever we want. And it builds such a culture up that people purposefully and with audacity say, I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to do whatever I want. Even if it costs them their own family. Even if it hurts others around them. We see this clearly now. But let me remind you of the backdrop of this because in the very next chapter, the second word we have, and Elisha. You understand, God allowed it to happen in the darkest period of Israel. The darkest time when it seemed to be no hope. When everyone's saying it can't happen. Revival can't occur. God can't do anything. It is too far gone. That 
is when God decided to work. That is when God brought a man of God to preach the word of God. To change the people to follow after God. That is when God decided to work. There is no time that is too dark that God can't work. There is no society that is too far gone that God cannot revive again. God has a desire to work. And God has the ability to work. Let me tell you, we may look on the news. We may look on Facebook. You may look through your emails. And there's a lot of discouraging things. But let me tell you, we're a hopeful people because there's a God that's always at work. There's a God who could always work. It was in the late 1800s. That the city of Chicago decided they were going to have a big national meeting with preachers about why revival can't happen in our day. And so preachers came from across the country to come hear a meeting about why revival can't happen. Meanwhile, outside of those doors was D.L. Moody. Who was standing out and began to lead someone to the Lord. And next thing you know, he led someone to the Lord. And someone overheard that and he led someone to the Lord. And then he began to preach and other people began to know the Lord. And they began to know the Lord. Meanwhile, this auditorium with these other preachers preaching about revival couldn't happen. They said, well, we're going to break for lunch. And they all left, all saying, well, God's done with our country. There's nothing to be over. Well, D.L. Moody had been preaching on the streets and gathering a big crowd that they needed somewhere to meet, that they saw this empty building. And they went and had revival in the same building where those other preachers said you couldn't have revival. And they filled it up where the other preachers, there was just a couple of them. You understand, in the darkest times, when people say it can't happen, that's when God likes to work. That's when God likes to come through. You understand we have a miracle working God. There is never a time that is too dark that God cannot work. In fact, God delights to work. You know what doesn't have to be in a society? Sometimes it could be in a life of a person. It could be in a life of a person that they've gone so far. I knew of a man who during the civil rights uh, (coughs) um, movements... A preacher came up to him. He was already a motorcyclist. But a preacher came up to him and tried to witness to him. And he said, listen here. If a preacher ever witnesses to me again. Ever talks to me about God again. I'll shoot him dead. And he would have. He became a leader of a biker gang. And began to uh, commit atrocities. Including murders by his own testimony. And it was about 30 years later. That someone came to him. And witnessed to him. And he bowed his head. Accepted Christ. And now he's a preacher. You understand God can work. When someone looks so far gone. You would look at that biker. Who's committed murder. And so hardened. You say there's no way. And God says. I can do that. I can do that. You may have some family members. That you look and say. There's no hope. Let me tell you. As long as God is alive. There is hope. God can work. There was no one too hardened that God cannot get through. There is no society too far gone that God can't make come alive. That God can revive his people 
again. And that's what we need. More than ever, we need God's people to go back to the book. We need God's people to stand where this stands. We have a whole society that's against us. But let me tell you that God plus one is a majority. And we need to stick on the Lord's side. That God can do something. And in this upcoming days, we need to be people who are praying. And people who are expecting. And people who believe that there is a God who can still work. Our hope is not in the government. Praise the Lord. Our hope is not in society. It's not in Hollywood. It's not in Nashville. Our hope is in the Lord. And God can work. Let's expect Him to do something in our hearts and lives in the upcoming days. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.